The rumors now that the Wizards aren't interested in trading Bradley Beal. Instead, they're talking about extending him. And I threw it out there. Why would you do it now? He still has two years in his contract, right? Well, the reason why you extend him now is to end all of this ridiculous talk of trading him. And I've been on the record um, really since the season was over with that I think it's foolish to move Bradley Beal. Why the hell would you spend seven years developing a guy that right now is a two-time all-star that could actually be the leader of your franchise for prospects that you don't know that would even pan out in the league? So I feel like if they want to offer him a three-year extension that's less than the full max, if it's 111, why in the world would he not take that? Um, the question is, is now the ball is in his court if he wants to do that. And this would kind of actually speed up the process of figuring out if Brandt wants to stay in D.C. or not by making this offer to him. Because if he takes it, okay, he takes the three-year 111. It doesn't kick in until three years. Now you've got your face of the franchise, uh, along with John, locked in, and now you can build around these two. Uh, it makes more sense to me doing that than putting him on the market for people that you don't know that would come to D.C. and pan out. Chris, I love Bradley Beal, too, and I, I, I would hate to see him go. But the other side of the argument is that Beal has been paired with Wall for his entire career, and they've yet to crack fifty game, uh, a fifty win season, uh, playing together. And you're going to have John Wall coming off the Achilles injury. Who knows what he's going to be like? Maybe there is a case to be made for hitting the reset button and getting as many you know, assets and pieces as you can for Beal. I'd hate to see him go, but I would at yeah. least entertain the thought. Um, I've covered this team for twelve years. I've seen two resets already. Uh, I'm done with resets. <laughs> I, I, wa I want this thing to play out. And for many of my buddies that have lived in D.C. their whole life, they've seen more resets than that. So at some point, um, you got to stop hitting the damn reset button and you have to start making it work, okay? Uh, it's like a marriage. At some point, your wife gets on your nerves, right, and vice versa, but you're going to make it work. Make it work with Wall and Beal. And, and I feel like now uh, with what Ted is doing, uh, playing the long game as opposed to the, sh the, the short game, each day that it goes by, it makes more sense to me what he's doing. And it's not so much next year. It's probably the year after that, guys. So, Chris, part of making it work is through improved drafting. And I'm hoping you haven't eaten breakfast recently because the, this list I'm going to give you of, of the Wizards' uh, draft success or lack there over the last five years, it might make Talk you a little, it might make you crazy. So, okay, in yeah. 2014, they drafted or gave up the rights to draft Jordan Clarkson, who's turned into a pretty nice player. In 15, yep. they, I guess, selected Jerry and Grant for another team. He hasn't done anything for the Wizards, obviously. And Aaron White was the second-round pick. 2016, no draft picks. In 2017, they traded the number 52 pick to New Orleans for Tim Frazier, who I believe was here for one season as a, as a backup. And then last year, Troy Brown at 15 and... Some guy named Isuf Sanon picked 44th overall. There's a reason why why the Wizards are where they are, and part of it is lack of success on draft day. And that points it out in the last five years at least. Well, can I, can I go further than that? Sure. With just one name? Please do. Jan Vesely. Game, set, match. So <laughs> yeah. it just adds to your argument, right? Right. Sure. Um, I think that, well, I know that thinking of the draft is over. Um, from everything that I've been able to gather, 
uh, over the last couple of weeks, I think the Wizards are going to be very aggressive tomorrow night. I don't necessarily think that that's moving up. It might be moving back to get a pick in something in the second round. Again, the narrative of working with Wall and Beal, I'm living under that assumption that they're going to continue that, that project. You have to hit on every draft pick. You have to hit on every free agent, okay, to make this work. And they have not hit on all their draft picks, as you illuminated. They have not hit on their free agents is the reason why they're in this position today. What I'm saying is, if they could ever figure out the draft, okay, this is the year to do it. And at number nine, I don't necessarily think you're going to get a bad player. I think you're actually going to get somebody that can help the team. Now, there's two schools of thought with the draft guys, all right? You get the kid, he comes in, and you've got this coach that doesn't like playing young players. Well, that devalues the draft pick, right? Look at Troy Brown last year. Troy Brown didn't start playing until the end of the year. Okay, if you're in this pseudo-rebuild mode, this player at number nine has to play. He has to be in the rotation. He has to get all the experience he needs so in two years when Wall comes back and you have Wall and Beal, this kid's ready to go. He is your third option, potentially. So that's why I feel like you've got the hit tomorrow at number nine. If it's not nine, if you're trading back and you're getting something in the second round also, you got to hit on that guy also. Talking to Chris Miller, covers the Wizards for NBC Sports Washington. All right, so it seems like you've talked to Ted. There's a plan in place. Tommy Shepard is the interim GM, president of basketball ops, whatever. Tell us a little more about him because my guess is, or it just seems like, maybe he's the guy who's just going to get the permanent position, and that might be fine. We talked about it on the cap side that they did an internal hire, and that led them to a Stanley Cup. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting when Ted relieved Ernie of his duties, that was one of the first things he said in his press conference was, listen, we've been down this road before with our hockey team, and it turned out okay having Brian McClellan as the GM, and they ended up hoisting a Stanley Cup, and everyone was in euphoria last year with a parade. Okay, I feel like it's a little bit different in the NBA. The NBA and the NHL are two completely different sports, obviously, but the way you frame and make up your teams are completely different. Um, Tommy Shepard, from what I've seen with my own eyes and talking to my sources there, is not Ernie Grunfeld 2.0. There are certain things that he has done already uh, since April the 2nd that lends me to think that he's his own guy and he can make his own decisions. And uh, the culture that he's trying to put in place. Uh, some of the things that he does, um, like holding people accountable, are real. And I'll give you an example, guys, right away. As soon as he got the interim job, you guys remember Devin Robinson had this little scuffle in a nightclub. They didn't deal with it with, oh, you know, it's okay, he's young. They fired him, essentially. They got him out of here. Okay, that's a culture change. Uh, so Tommy Shepard is his own man. Uh, I will say that all of the people that have been scouting, uh, Ernie was the only one that was let go. Everyone else has been in place since April the 2nd and have gone about the business of doing basketball business. Hmm. So Ted Leonis has directly addressed the multiple reports that came out about him planning to offer Masai Ujiri, the Raptors GM, a salary of up, upwards of $10 million and a stake in monumental sports and entertainment. His quote was, any reports that we have interest in Masai Ujiri as a candidate are simply not true. We have never planned in any way to ask for permission to speak to him during our process. Where, in your best guess, 
did that story come from? How did that how did that you know hit Twitter and the internet a few days ago and catch such fire? Well, uh, I said on April the twentieth uh, that they should go after him because I feel like if you're going to go big game hunting, go after one of the best in the business right now. And it turns out the guy led Toronto to an NBA championship. Now, me saying it and them going after him are two different things. But clearly, by his statement, that wasn't the plan. Now, I don't know the inner workings of what was happening behind the scenes. Uh, you know, people have talked to me about, you know, that, that could be some tampering if you're putting his name out there without asking for permission for Toronto first. So I feel like Ted put that statement out there to kind of squash any kind of accusation of potential tampering. That's what it seems like to me. Chris, I wanted to ask you about the draft and some of the guys. On Monday, they had the UNC guys in. And yeah. from me doing Wizards Overtime, you're like a UNC guy, right? You love UNC, although yes, you didn't go to school there, right? Why did you become yeah, a UNC I'm, guy? I've been there. I was born there. I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I've been a Tar Heel fan since birth. Um, gotcha. And, and it's, it's no secret. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> like, that's like my team, right? So when those two guys came in, Nasir and Kobe, uh, you know, I had a chance to watch their workout, and I wanted to come. I wanted to go away with it, um, open-minded, not just being like having fanboy goggles on. Right. And the one thing I took away from it is they both impressed not only me, but a lot of the people in that building. And from what I have been told, I wouldn't be surprised if Kobe White is not there at nine. Well, yeah, Kobe White probably won't be there at nine. Uh, little maybe. Um, it was important to them that they not only had Ted there, Bradley Beal was there, right? That's correct. That's correct. And it was funny, you know, during Nasir's workout, uh, Nasir hit like nine threes in the corner, okay? And Brad and I are standing right next to each other. And Brad started waving his towel, like, man, shut this workout down, man. Nasir's putting on a show. I mean, Brad was really impressed with both of the Carolina kids. And, again, I get that Phoenix and Chicago need point guards, but I wouldn't be surprised, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious when I say this. I wouldn't be surprised. If Kobe White is there at nine, would you take him? Of course. The answer is yes, right? Yes. So, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting tomorrow. They're going to be some th- the fourth pick uh, is when everything starts. The party really starts at four with what the Pels are going to do with that pick. And some guys might be in some positions where – all these mock drafts have them, and they're not going to be there. So, They'll probably be with, like, different teams that have been projected. So, Chris, I'm holding the Wizards pick in the Junkies' annual mock draft that's going down tomorrow. So I'll be picking nine. Oh, there you go. Give, okay. me, give me three or four realistic names that I'll have to choose from that you think will be there at number nine tomorrow night for, for me to pick. He just gave you a couple. Um, I'm going to go. This is my, so I do this thing called my top five Wizards prospect at nine. Okay. Top five at nine. Okay, good. I'm going to go at one. I'm going to go with Kobe White. Okay. At two, I'm going to go with Cam Reddish, who's been, I've been on the Cam Reddish bandwagon really all year. Uh, at three, I'm going to go Nasir Little. At four, I'm going to go Kentucky's Keldon Johnson. And number five, don't get mad at me. I'm going to go Sekou Demboya, the kid like from it. France, because I feel like this kid is still growing, and he's only 18 years old, and he's 6'8", 230, and we've seen the game kind of become international. Just look at Toronto's roster, what it looked like. 
Okay, OG Ananobi. Okay, they, they, they've got guys on that team. Um, Pascal Siakam. I mean, I the game is so Anobi. global. I would uh, I would probably have Demboya at five, but Kobe White right now is my clubhouse leader. I would go Kobe White one and then give me the Euro number two. Here's what I said, Chris, and this is a little outrageous based on success. You you mentioned Jan Vesely. I want a Euro who started playing when they were like 13 professionally. <laughs> I want a Luka Doncic. Okay? I want somebody that's been yeah. in the pros since they were 13 or 14. Right, grizzled back. Because it worked out for Dallas last year. Yeah, I, you know what? Um, Luka changed kind of like the way I thought of international players because we got bird with Bethany, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's he's been he's, – yeah, like you say, he's been a pro since he was a teenage. Like with his the mom, footnote, I should know, have yeah, a footnote, Walking Chris. him around. Yeah, yeah. My, my footnote um, is that they can shoot. Okay, Jan Vesely couldn't shoot a free throw. Right. So they, they have to be able to shoot. So the Euro played when he was 14 or 15, speaks multiple languages, and can shoot. That's what oh, I want. Oh, I got another one for you guys. Don't forget – Alexi Pesharov. Yeah, uh, let's not forget it. By the way, I don't need my guy. To speak, that one. I don't need my guy to speak multiple languages. I just True. need him to be able to play. Yeah, just speak hoop. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Right, a good right. point. 